We're on Hollywood Boulevard. Hello, dog. Hello, Karen, and hello, listeners. Happy near the end of June. Uh, we hope all is going great with you guys. Karen, have you been up to any... I know you had a busy week last week, but have you been able to uh, feast your eyes on anything? Why, yes, I was able to, kind of on a whim last night. Uh, well, I love whims. Yeah, it was kind of on a whim. Like, the whole family was sitting, you know, in front of the TV, and there was this sort of, like, what do you want to watch? I don't know. What do you want to watch moment? And, um... And then, and then my somebody was like, "Well, we haven't seen Thunder Force yet. Let's watch that." And I was a little groany about it. Like I kind of wanted to see it, but not really, because you know I don't really like superhero films. And technically, this is a superhero movie. They're not my favorites. Um, but you know, it was Monday night. I was tired. Um, I wanted to put my feet up, and I was like, "Sure, we can watch that." Fully thinking, honestly, I really did think that I was going to be reading a book through the whole thing. <laughs> what a delight. Oh, that is a nice surprise. It was a very nice surprise. Um, first of all, Melissa McCarthy, she is a national treasure. She really is. I love her. I think she's great. She is phenomenal. She is one of those uh, those actors where it's kind of like, um, oh, hi, why did I just space her name? Oh, Jackie, Jackie on Roseanne, Laurie Metcalf, Laurie Metcalf, thank you. It's kind of like Queen Laurie. Yeah, it's it's kind of like you sort of like recognize that for years and years, this actor was underappreciated and then Mm -hmm. they finally get their due. And that's kind of like how I feel about Melissa McCarthy, where like with Gilmore Girls, she was always second fiddle, even though she was so much fun to watch a Suki. And then like and then she finally like broke out. And it's so like so well deserved she was an absolute delight in this octavia spencer um was also sort of fun this this movie really felt like a throwback to those 80s buddy cop movies even though they weren't cops oh okay so it was like you know there these two except these two women are sort of childhood best friends that for whatever reason had a falling out um, Melissa McCarthy's character was like a little slovenly, a little bit. She was sort of like scrappy. And while Octavia Spencer's character was, you know, absolutely brilliant, headed to to Ivy League, going to be like a geneticist researcher person. Um, and uh, who, by the way, her parents were killed by these super villain mutant things. I don't remember what they called them in the movie. And so... Um, and so that becomes her life work is to um, continue the research that her parents were doing to make uh, some sort of genetic modification so that people could fight these super like regular people could fight these super villains. And um, but they uh, Melissa McCarthy and Octavia, they have a falling out um, as teens. They stop speaking for like 20 odd years. Mm-hmm. And then there is a of course, high school reunion, um, and uh, yeah, kind of, of reconnect, right? Um, and then uh, hijinks ensue where Melissa gets sort of like ends up accidentally being injected with this stuff and sort of becomes a superhero. Um, 
even though like she didn't want to be. And so it's this and and so it's their whole sort of like journey of saving the world, right? As these best friends who are sort of like reuniting and getting their relationship back together. So it, it, but it did harken back to those sort of like, you know, Lethal Weapon or Beverly Hills Cop, like that the, those buddy movies. It but sounds like fun. With a female spin. It was loads of fun. And Jason Bateman was in it. And he ends up being this sort of unlikely love interest for Melissa McCarthy. Because he is a mutant too. And like, but he's like on the bad guy side, right? But he's a mutant. But he has these, his arms are like actually like crab arms with pincers. <laughs> it was fucking hilarious the way that they like treated that. And so that was really fun to like, I didn't realize he was in it. And and I was like, oh, it's really kind of fun to have him in it. And Bobby Cannavale was in it playing um, playing the big bad. Did you see uh, Spy, the Melissa McCarthy movie from like I five years earlier? did not see Spy. Um, Plot-wise, it doesn't really sound that similar. Um, but, but Bobby Cannavale, I think, was the bad guy in that one, too. And Jason Bateman and Melissa McCarthy were together in at least... One other movie, Identity Thief, which is kind of a dumb movie, but the two of them were really good in and really good as a pair in. Yeah, they so were wonderful together. I'm not together. at all surprised to hear that, yeah. Yeah, they were and really good together. Those are really, like, two of the better, like, more surprising, like, success stories, I think, of the last two decades. That Jason Bateman was able to have this big comeback starting with the rest of development and proved to be really good in everything he does. And Melissa McCarthy was able to, like, defy all the odds and have this great true movie star career. And so I have nothing but props for her, for both of them, really. Yeah. And I yeah. feel that way about Octavia Spencer, too, quite frankly. Now, like, I always she, cheer her on. What was her, what TV, she did, which TV series did she do? Was it a TV um, series? I don't know. She had a regular TV gig. She's done, like, something, I think, for Apple TV Plus that I've not seen. Uh, but her big thing was when she won the Oscar for The Help. Thank you. I was like, because I couldn't remember if she had a TV thing. Like, I, I just, I was like, wait, did she do a TV? Because I, 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 I was going to say, I think this is the first time I've seen her, but it wasn't. She she did Hidden Figures, right? And she was in Hidden Figures and also in The Shape of Water. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm like, why do I feel like did, I've never seen her before? Oh, she was in Divergent series, Percy Jackson. Well, you, I wouldn't be surprised if you found you'd seen her in a ton Oh, of I've seen her in tons of stuff then. I, I just didn't didn't recognize it. But I, I was like, oh, was she in TV show? I don't remember, but that's that's where I know her from. Um yeah, I mean she was she was great. It was it was and that was sort of like interesting to also see her in this sort of I don't know like almost slapstick comedy because it was very physical, you know, um a lot of it clearly um because it was you know it, it was and you know what else was really refreshing was actually and they and they made like jokes about it these are two middle-aged women going out there and being these kick-ass yeah writers. i think it's great and i was like oh hi this is awesome like you don't have to be like you know a sort of you know perky 20 something year old um to have to to be this you know this crime fighter or do this you know this sort of movie um the the fact that they were these middle-aged women was also a real kick yeah i think all of that i think is fantastic quite yeah it, it was that was really great to see so i don't know i really enjoyed it like i it's just fun it's not doing anything other than being just fun which is okay. I which think. is okay. Yeah. Because you can okay. do fun 
badly or you can do fun really well. There's a difference. And the yeah. difference is when it's bad, you read your book. And when it's good, you put your book down. Right. Exactly. And watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I did put my book down. So I give this like two thumbs up. Oh, and I didn't realize um, ben, ben, it was Melissa McCarthy's husband that uh, wrote and directed the movie. Yes, he did. I was going to say. Ben you know, I didn't realize that. I didn't. Um, I mean, I didn't see the movie, but I remember when this was released that there were a bunch of online, like Twitter and podcast uh, responses were that weren't as warm to this movie as you were. And they were like, Melissa McCarthy needs to stop doing her husband's movies. They're so bad. She needs to stop and do better things. Like, uh, well, first of all, judging from what you say, it's probably quite a fun movie. But it's also like, I'm sure Melissa McCarthy has some input if the movie is being ideated and written in her own home in the first place. But I'm like, these are things she probably wants to be doing. And that's why they're writing it <laughs> that way. So she's not being forced to to do these things. She's opting to do these things in addition to doing other stuff as well. So I'm um, like, whatever. Team, really... team McCarthy, Team Falcon. It's a shitty ass, uneducated thing to say, I think. Right. I mean, it's really kind of interesting because I honestly, it's just as sort of like, I mean, if you want to go, get into it, like, you know, it's just as terrible as, say, Lethal Weapon. Right. Like, I mean, like if you're looking at like these these films, and you're saying, oh, it's such a bad movie. Well, yeah. I mean, what was the buddy one with Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone? Day Tango Day and Cash. Tango and Cash. Right. Terrible movie. I watched it about 100 times. I will sit down and watch it again. I love that movie. Terrible movie, but so much fun. And, you know, I kind of feel like uh, double standard. There's a double standard here. I, yeah. I feel like men when they team up for these buddy movies, you know, okay, here's another one. Cause we've got, we've got another movie in this franchise coming out. Fast, Fast and, and Furious. The, Furious? the yeah. first one. That's a shit movie. The acting is bad. The, the cuts aren't great. I, I, you know, sometimes I look at the edit and I go, oh, that was a quick cut. Like what the fuck was that? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, some of it doesn't make any sense. Um, especially like the further you go into the franchise, you're just like, some, some of it becomes like a head scratcher. Right. But you know what? It doesn't fucking matter. Cause it's a lot of fun. There are cool yeah. cars and like, it's fun to watch. And it's like you get the adrenaline, you know, and you laugh out loud and you're, you're enjoying your time in the theater. And, and all of those movies are kind of given a pass. And I, and I really, yeah, they're not even questioned. They're not questioned. And I do believe like it is a double standard. Now you've got two women and not only two women leading this movie but two middle-aged women one of whom is a black woman both of whom are not beautiful like not hollywood standards in terms of yeah. body shape and all of that so it just feels like mm, what are you really bitching about yeah like what what really I is your problem yeah. with this movie um, you know, because if you want to sort of hold it up to critically, like, you know, we, well, okay, you want to hold it up, but you gotta, you, you gotta look at it through the lens of, well, what about Lethal Weapon? What about Tango and Cash? What about Beverly Hills Cop? What about all of these other buddy yeah, movies? Yeah, what about this is the genre that it, or Rush Hour or whatever? Yes, yeah. uh, Bad Boys. Like, this is, right. oh yeah, for sure. This, 
this is exactly, even though it's superheroes, it firmly, I really believe that it is firmly planted in the buddy, the buddy movie genre. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, but one small thing. I have to defend Lethal Weapon, or at least the first Lethal Weapon, which I think is a legit, really good movie. I think the, you know, 80 sequels that followed in the next 20 years, okay, you can you can pinhole, you can poke holes in those. Um, no, I do. But, I, I, beyond, I mean, beyond, I love Lethal Weapon. Beyond, so. Yeah, the idea of, like, the hypocrisy and the double standard, I think uh, you're absolutely right to highlight. But, but you know, Lethal Weapon ain't going to win any Oscars. No, no one's going to come at it and be like, oh, this is top quality. Yeah, like, this is great filmmaking with a capital F. Like, no, nobody's saying that. But it's a fun movie to watch, you know? And that's that's how I felt about Thunder Force. And I hope they do a second one. I hope they do, too. And I'm going to try and watch it at some point. Because I would watch the shit out of the second one. Netflix, do a second one. Netflix, I hope you're listening. Um, What you got? Yeah. So we continued to dig through Disney Plus and we watched Luca, which is this year's, I, I, well, so far it's this year's big animated film. Have you heard of it? No, I don't think I have. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a cute movie set in the like era of the 50s and 60s that like Pixar can really animate so well and it is a cute young like adolescent sea monster who lives off the coast of an Italian city um, with his parents Um, the main character the kid is voiced by Jacob Tremblay who was the young son in the movie adaptation of Room with Brie Larson and the parents are voiced by Maya Rudolph and Jim Gaffigan Um, and he keeps you know the parents try to be protective and tell him not to go out of the sea but he can go out of the sea and and survive um and because he's bored of his life of like just like herding goatfish um he he goes to dry land where he meets this other sea monster named alberto um and what luca and alberto learn is that their physical being actually changes to human form when they're on dry land, mm. um, they can transform into a human and then they can turn back to sea monster when they're wet again. Not just when they dive back into the ocean, but like if they're splashed on or rained on um, or anything. Um, and after having some fun time, like frolicking around and riding Vespa together uh, and then going back into the water, uh, despite his parents' warnings, Luca ascends and, and he and Alberto go on dry land and look like humans, and they befriend uh, a young girl named Julia, and and end up living um, with her for a while, and they start um, making plans to do, um, what's the word? Um, uh, A a triathlon. Um, The three three of them are going to do a race that consists of three things, which is swimming, riding a bike through town, and because it's Italy, eating pasta. So ah. I could try this triathlon too. <laughs> You're totally down with that. Um, yeah, I think I would really enjoy, uh, you know, getting in shape for that. So, so what ends up sort of happening is a pseudo triangle sort of forms with the threat of 
well, what if either of these young men are outed as being sea monsters by the townspeople? So there's a lot of, of like, you know, racism and xenophobia uh, lurking under the surface, I'll say, um, of, of this story, um, which I thought was sweet and maybe kind of missed something. So there was like something lacking a bit of urgency and maybe a little bit of stakes in the storytelling, though though I did like the points it was trying to make. What I do think is a reach is some of what I've seen other people writing about since its release, which is that this is a very coded young gay love story between Luca and Alberto. Oh. Uh, people have cited, um, like, Call Me By Your Name um, as a, a prototype, and I think that's a big reach. Uh, I, I don't think that's really what's there. I think I think what is important is that this is a story of two friends, um, and when outside forces might threaten them, their instincts are to do different things so as not to be caught. Um, but it's more about, you know, being caught as a sea monster, not being caught as anything else that they might be keeping secret. I mean, it really reminds me, though, this too is a little much of like uh, the something from the French or Italian New Wave, like Jules and Jim, which is really about the friendship of two men and what happens when a woman enters the picture and creates an imbalance. That's kind of what's happening here, but at a much purer level because they're much younger and it's an animated Pixar film. Um, but I thought it was sweet. And as a Disney Plus, you know, subscriber it was free um so those were good the animation is beautiful it's not their best but it was definitely good and it was better than another one that we saw earlier this year which was raya and the last dragon mm. um i'm i'm getting tired of of these third generation pixar and disney films which are really just about making audiences cry and always being about loss or separation as opposed to something like talent and discovery um what i like about this is that it's primarily about friendship and like learning a bit more about who you are and and what makes you tick which Mm. i think is is really interesting the the creator the director uh has based a lot of this story about from his own upbringing um enrique casarosa is his name so I think it's informed by some of his own real experience growing up. Um, so I do recommend it. Um, you know, it's definitely it's definitely sweet. Um, something that we keep talking about because it's our favorite of all the Pixar's is Monsters Inc., which is about to celebrate its 20th anniversary. Wow! And I think what works so well, yeah, welcome to being old. <laughs> 20 think, years, Jesus Christ! I know. I know, and yet it feels like you'd be 100, too. Um, what's so great about that movie is that the child at the center is so young that that she's nonverbal. So she's communicative. She's expressive. But she's not talking like a mini adult. She's not acting like a bratty kid. She's not acting. She's not expositing whatever the movie's message needs to be. She's not acting like with attitude or acting like a very wise mini adult or any of those things that just about every one of the subsequent movies does because Mm. they're quote unquote about kids. This is one that's really about a relationship that has the child at the center 
but the child doesn't act like an asshole. <laughs> and I think what a lot of these subsequent ones is because the movies that are made as much for adults as for kids, they have to have the kid act like adult adjacent. Right. And I think the movie, I think the movies often suffer from it because I think the, I think the writing around that lacks sophistication. Um, and Luca is not the most sophisticated movie, but but I thought it was I thought it was sweet and had something to say. I'm just a little flummoxed that so many people have responded to it by thinking it's maybe saying something completely different. But here we well, are. Well, I mean, you know, people always bring their own, yes. you know, their own they experiences do. into you know what what they're watching, and so it's you know, and so that's what they they read into it. It's true, and that may even play a role in what we were saying about Thunder Force as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I did want to say super quickly uh, that we finished the end of the most recent season of The Handmaid's Tale, mm. and I just can't believe that there's any story left even to mine there. I won't really spoil anything other than to say a lot of the stuff that happened it seems like a come down, the falling action of a story that's basically running its last lap and this turned out to not be a victory lap because there's still more to come so so i was like you mean after all this padding there's still more left so it was kind of disappointing i think it was actually uh, a pretty weak season disguised as trauma porn um mm. that, that i think like has completely run out of gasoline i didn't i didn't keep watching after that first episode nah it's, uh, I, I just was I, I, so. I mean, I've told people, I've actively told people to not watch it. So there's that. It, it's just is so. I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't. I, I mean, for that first season, I didn't. And I like the first episode. I just don't have it in me to, you know. I'm like, God, it just feels like we were living that, you know. And and to a degree, we're still living that. Or some women, yeah. I should say, are living, you know, some in very, you know, something very similar. Absolutely. And, you know, and they and are. I'm just like, I don't like. That's just a little too close to the bone. I just don't want to. I'm not, I, I can't do it. No, nor nor should you. Yeah. Um, and just to tease up for any of our listeners, next week I'm going to talk about the new Loki series on Disney+. Plus, uh, the, the Marvel Avengers adjacent uh, continuation with Tom Hiddleston. Um, oh. And a show that's on AMC and also I guess on AMC+, Plus, which is called Kevin Can Fuck Himself. Starring Annie Murphy, late of Schitt's Creek. Um, oh. Well, while you're talking about your Loki, I can talk about another Loki. What's your Loki? On Netflix, there is a Norwegian series that we've been watching, Ragnarok, which is a oh. take on the whole like Thor and the Hammer mythology. And there is oh. a Loki. There is a Loki character in that. What? Perfect synchronicity. Yeah, so what, we can talk about that. I look forward to it. Well, you know what that sounds to me like? Like what? A, a Marvel Earth podcast. Oh. <laughs> oh. All right, guys. Uh, quit while I'm ahead. Yeah, I'm going to bed. <laughs> all right, well, yes. On that note, we hope you're all doing well. We wish you well and a safe, happy week. Um, and we shall return to the boulevard to talk about our uh, our various Loki adventures next week. Stay well. Bye. Bye.